The Nuts and Bolts of Writing, Season Two, a podcast where we talk about literature, the ins and outs of writing, and how to actually start writing. Hello, everyone. I am R. N. Ravale, one of the co-hosts of the Nuts and Bolts of Writing and co-editor of the literary magazine The Unconventional Courier. Today, I will be interviewing writer Laura Cooney. Her short story, Musically Challenged, was published in our December issue of The Unconventional Courier, the powerful and touching story of someone who is in love with music but is stone deaf. Laura is a writer from Edinburgh, with publications for both children and adults online and in print anthologies. Her recent side projects include attending spoken word events and collaboratively creative a children's poetry zine. When she's not doing lots of writing, you'll find her with the children as close to the sea as possible, and there will be ice cream. You can find Laura Cooney's blog at www.lozawriting.com, and you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at lozawriting. I will put all the links in the description below. Hello, Laura. It's lovely to have you here. Hello. Thanks very much for having me on and asking me to do this. It's uh, it's really awesome to have uh, a chance to uh, discuss with you about literature and about the story that you published with us in uh, the Unconventional Courier, which was called Musically Challenged. Your story uh, speaks about the protagonist's relationship to music and how music seeps into uh, every aspect of the life and being. So let me start by asking you this. What was your inspiration for the story? So the inspiration was um, a prompt from Full Mood Mag um, asking for something to do with um, music. It was melanomia, which is the sort of absorption of music and the um, desire for to listen to music and, and having music involved like that in your life. Um, and that, that was basically the prompt. Um, what you had to do was think about how music could affect you. Um, and that was the story that sort of just popped straight into my head and that is often how it works for me with writing I'll see a prompt I'll get a little bit of an idea from it and very quickly the idea will just turn into something quite fully formed in my head and that was um that was where that came from really Oh, I see. I see. So it was from a prompt. That's really interesting. Do you uh, often uh, work with prompts? Do you prefer to start from prompts or not necessarily? Um, yeah, I would say that's probably about 70% of where the writing for me comes from. Um, I started off actually as a picture book writer when I got into writing and, um, you know, wrote a few manuscripts, started querying them for maybe agents or publishers and was finding that it you know, it was taking an awfully long time. And that was what I started to do on Twitter was look for writing prompts. Um, I found some poetry ones to begin with. And from there, I found some lit mags that had like short flash fiction, 50 word things that they were looking for. And um, yeah, basically this is what I do now. I troll Twitter every day looking for things like that, that I can write and submit. Um, and it's just, I really enjoy it. I think sometimes a word or an idea can just really stimulate the whole thing for me quite quickly. 
as I've said before, um, yeah, that that tends to be sometimes they just come out fully formed, and uh, I love that. that. Quite a, a fascinating and I imagine a really exciting way to to start because in a sense it's like a like a surprise to you, right? I, I imagine that it can really stimulate your imagination and your motivation, right? Yeah, I mean, yes, it is a complete surprise sometimes and it is motivating. The only problem is I do actually have about three or four actual works in progress and things that I'm, you know, trying to work on, like a few novels, I've got the picture books that I keep querying. I've, I do have other projects on the go, but these these seem to take over. I seem to become quite, it's almost obsessive in uh, how exciting it is to write them and then sub them and then see what's going to happen with them. I find it quite a challenge and um, I do like that surprise element of it. I never really know what is going to come out until it's there, if that makes any sense. So yeah, can plan I do like to organise some of my writing, but quite a lot of it is that seat of the pants approach, which I enjoy. <laughs> wow, I, I see. Uh, that That's really fascinating. So um, um, what inspires you to write in general beside the prompts? I mean, in... in um, uh, I guess things around you, uh, fiction, uh, you mentioned the uh, picture books. Yeah, um, so I suppose like the, I've, I do... A fair amount of children's writing, um, although that takes a back seat at the moment sometimes. But I've got two children, so you know, on a daily basis, I'm getting a lot of influence there from the children, things they might see and things um, that they're interested in, and things that they do, and things that maybe certainly for the picture books, things I might need help with. Occasionally, there might be like tantrums or lost shoes or problems like that and occasionally when that happens I'll go to the library try and find a book you know that suits that to help us with our problems like worries or things like that um, and so from from that sometimes there's a lack in some stories I think for the the way I need it so that that then makes me want to write something to help other parents and other people um you know to, to have a better um a sort of better experience. No, I, I see. And uh, I think it's quite interesting because uh, often when you, uh, I, I imagine that when you look at the world through the uh, um, the lens of a child's imagination or experiences, you can always find a lot of new things, right? Because it gives you a different, uh, different perspective than the one you have as an adult. Yeah, yeah. And because I, I'm actually also a teacher, I find um. I can kind of tap into that, the child's way of thinking, um, being able to get down to their level and thinking about what how they see the world. Um, so certainly that influences a lot of the children's writing will be my children themselves and things like that. Um, other things, I suppose, um, that influence me um, are just, I guess it's the world around me. I, I do like to people watch. I like to create a character and I like to kind of try and sort of put what I've seen into something in a in a book. So, for example, I, I do have something um a, a real a story of mine that I really love. It's it's only short fiction. It's less than five hundred words long. But I'd been to a fairground attraction museum when I was down in Devon on my holiday last summer, and it, it was amazing. There was so many old rides from like the fifties and the forties, and you know, like. I, a really old hall of mirrors and a really old fashioned um, ghost train and 
it was in a giant warehouse and it was quite echoey and you could hear like the carousel music. And, and what happened was when we went in, the, the person at the counter who bought, sold us our tickets was actually the first person that let us go on a ride. There, there weren't that many staff. So we went on this ride with the kids and we had a good time. And then we went for a cup of tea and then we went to the hookah duck and the person at the hookah duck was the same person that had let us in, let us on the first ride and was now letting us on the hookah duck. And at that moment, I heard the music. I'm in this big space. I'm seeing all these old rides. And I thought, that's creepy. You know, it's totally <laughs> creepy. Things like that will just go straight into my brain. And and it percolates. It takes a, a while, maybe. But like, I might write something in my notebook. And then it could be days later. It'll just, it'll just sit at the back, constantly percolating away. And I, I, I eventually came up with this story um and it's called uh, the last walks of arnos finchley and it's it's definitely one that's close to my heart it's probably one of my most favorite pieces of writing but that came purely from that whole immersive experience i just absorbed all of that that day and just left it sitting inside me for maybe a week or two and then eventually came out come out with a story so yeah it's it's things like that um people watching seeing a person thinking that's a bit interesting and then finding somewhere to put that in a story tends to then make my stories happen, I guess. So, or yeah, I tend to be my poetry at the moment is all about how difficult parenthood is. <laughs> um, things like that, I suppose. Um, I'm influenced by by the things around me, yeah, I would say is true. So have you got any uh, favourite themes or types of characters or uh, styles that you prefer to use into your stories? Um, I'm not really sure. There's really nothing that I won't write once or nothing that I won't try. Um, I've recently written something completely out there for me, kind of a sort of sci-fi, fantasy, horror type uh, thing, um, which I've, you know, I've recently subbed. It was for a, it was for a call. It was particularly for something um, called the Hyperion. And um, I mean, that was completely different for me uh, to have done something like that, that kind of horror, kind of, strange aspect of writing not sure it's something I would necessarily get into and do again but like I say I really do enjoy taking on a challenge of anything at all um so yeah no I'm pretty flexible I'm pretty I am pretty flexible I'm quite ambidextrous with it mm -hmm. so it's rather the uh uh the uh, the diversity of it that uh spurs your imagination and aren't really yeah, some I... recurring themes or settings um, Sorry. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, if it's a recurring theme, I suppose, in the poetry at the moment, it's sort of motherhood comes up. Um, quite interested in writing things like yearning, unrequited love, love type things as well can sometimes be quite good because I can kind of get into that zone quite easily. Um, I think my whole life I've watched detective programmes, um, like pretty much everything, you name it. Columbo, Starsky and Hutch, anything with a detective in it. And so, you know, I, I pick away occasionally at little scenes here and there of, it's, ne it's never a full story, but there might be little scenes or little scenarios with these particular characters that I've developed that I think one day might might go somewhere. So yeah, I, I, guess, um, I guess those things are all influences and those motifs do show up for me from time to time. And there are a few characters that I do write little maybe short pieces for. Um, 
but in general, I spend my days honestly finding new things and going, oh, prompt on voices, okay then. What can I? Oh yeah, and it will just pop in <laughs> something. Old. That's definitely more exciting. <laughs> something will materialize. Um, yeah, and I like that. I enjoy that. You mentioned that you are a teacher. Uh, yeah. How would you say that your job as a teacher influenced your writings? Uh, does it reflect in any way? Does it change anything in, in the way that you uh, uh, you view uh, the kind of stories that you write, maybe on the way that you view literature? Um, certainly from the, the children's point of view, um, yes. Um, I mean, that was where I began, was picture books and half a middle grade novel that I may never finish because... I guess I guess um, that that would have influenced me more, but as I've started to write more and getting more things sort of published and out there, it does seem to be more the adult sort of grown up market that I'm more successful in. And I suppose if I'm really true to myself, I always wanted to write a novel or a novella for grown ups, and I love reading. I mean, I could read a book in a day. Honestly, I've got no issue with that. But I would read a book sometimes and feel kind of. Um, sick at the end because I'm like I could write that but I don't have the idea you know it's the idea that's lacking I don't have the plot I don't even have the, the sort of non-plot you know you read the book sometimes and nothing happens but it's such a good book you know and you're like I couldn't put that down but what happened like nothing nothing and I, I always felt like I couldn't achieve that and I think the influence of um I think just having written for children and then sort of moved away from it a little bit and coming back in and out of it I, I don't know I, I feel like I now have more experience and more things that I write which means now I'm starting to get closer to that idea so I, I don't know that teaching influences it particularly but certainly having written in all genres for all ages does give me more practice so um, I know that you have uh, a literary magazine there is a project that you've been working on and I am really curious to uh, know more about this okay yeah so it's a, a zine of children's poetry um about the magical and the mysterious and um things that live under your bed gnomes fairies elves um it's called invisible things and um me and two other people from america and someone from canada um produced it together so me susan um, Gerald and Jennifer all did some writing, but uh, then Gerald did some illustrations for it. Um, so it's fully illustrated, it's got a colour cover, it's really, really nice. Um, and yeah, we, we just started getting uh, together on, a, on that project. I, I could tell you a little bit, if you want, about how it all began. Definitely. I'm really curious to know more about this, how you got the idea, um, how you uh, got together with the team and what it's like to uh, to work with an international team of writers. Okay. Well, it started off as um, a Twitter conversation, actually, between me, Susan and Jennifer. Um, one day they were talking about uh, it was either a haiku or a limerick. I think it was a limerick for haiku eh, for uh, limerick Sunday, and they were talking about a bit of rhyme or a bit of something. And I just sort of butted into their conversation and came up with a suggestion. And from there we started to chat to each other quite a lot and started to actually write limericks on a Sunday for limerick Sunday. And 
we would, you know, put one up on a Sunday, the three of us had written, people would get involved and chat. Sometimes they would start a thread of different limericks to copy our limerick um, and to follow it on. And then what we did was we started to get some um, illustrators involved. So some Sundays there would be an illustration that would go along with it. We did that a couple of times. And Gerald had been suggested by Jennifer as someone who might do one of these illustrations for us. But actually, he came back to us with, yeah, I'd like to get involved, but would you like to make a zine instead of some sort of children's poetry, maybe tw 20 pages or so, I'll illustrate it, help you write it. And then, you know, you would sort of do most of the writing on that. Um, and we were very interested. Um, I don't know if, if people know a lot about zines, but they're quite usually quite simply made um, sort of booklets of poetry, books, stories, anything. It can literally be anything. It can be comics, it can be hybrid, it can be any kind of writing at all. But we kind of decided that we were going to go for something for children because, you know, I, I'll write anything. Whereas Jennifer and Susan are mostly into children's literature, as is Gerald in his illustrations. Anyway, and that's sort of how it sort of came about as something that we worked on together. And it just kind of took legs. I didn't really think it was going to be as exciting and as interesting as it turned out to be. But um, we basically did it over Google Docs. So we would decide what poems we were going to write, what topics we were going to take on. So I, I did something about a dragon, um, was one of my main things. And so I, I wrote the poem and then put the poem out and then we all looked at it, picked away at it, changed it. And we pretty much did that with every single piece, except for one. We're all credited as being writers, but there's one poem within it that actually Jennifer, I think, just wrote and we never changed it. It was so good um, about tiny people that live in an air vent. Anyway, very good little story. And I'm positive, a nice little poem that she did, and I'm positive that she should have her name on that one alone. But that was basically what we did. Um, did it over Google Docs um, and WhatsApp. We, we did start on Twitter, but DMs are difficult because you can't swipe right. So anyway, and that, that was it. We've, we've never met. We've done Zoom conversations and things like that, but we've never actually physically sat in a room together, but we've managed to create this really, really nice piece of art um, and we did we got it printed quite professionally and it's all equal printed like this um, sort of equal ink and things like that and so um, it's gone sort of slightly in between zine and maybe chapbook somewhere in between the two that isn't quite as um, grungy as a zine would normally be it's a little bit more sort of what would I like to say it's more well produced than that I suppose not well produced I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's just, it's different. It's just somewhere in between the two. It's quite professionally made and the illustrations sort of lift it. But yeah, it was really interesting working with um, people from a different country and looking at different rhyme and meter schemes and um, the things that we understand from childhood can be quite different. Some of the ways, you know, the words and the vocabulary can be quite different about, you know, things like um, going to the ball game. Like you, you would never say that in the UK. You would never talk about a ball game or certain things like that. Um, but, you know, it's understood quite easily across the country. So, you know, when I was writing these things, sometimes I would write it in quite a, a sort of North American kind of a way. And then other times I would be like, no, we need to have it this way because it makes more sense for me like that. And it was good. There was a lot of like um, collaboration. Um, I don't think any of us had an ego at any point. I don't think anyone was unable to say, yeah, actually, you're right. That sentence I've written isn't any good or you know, that that doesn't work. I think we all, we were all really good. And it just goes to show how much children, doesn't matter where you're from, children can all relate to these things that we were writing about. 
um, you know, goblins and fairies and things that live in the garden and thing. So it's it's just it was really really nice to come together in such a way to get together and, and make something like that that could connect children and people from all over the world. Really, I really love the idea of uh, using fairy tales and folklore to uh, um, as a theme for your zine, and uh, it's it's fascinating to hear how you uh, got to work together and uh, to put this really interesting literature and visual arts project together. Uh, where can we find uh, the zine if uh, we want to uh, to read it and check it out? Is is it online anywhere? Uh, um, so is it available to purchase? Yeah, there, there is a um, Etsy shop where we sell it, which is the main source at the moment for it, um, because we'd like to get some reviews on it. It can can also be purchased through um, Gerald's Coffee, but the best place to get it would be on Etsy, and that would be available on my profile on Twitter. I'm going to uh, put the links that you give me in the description of the video so that uh, uh, everybody can see it and check it out and purchase it because uh, I think it's really fascinating. And the fact that you have it illustrated as well, it's uh, it's uh, excellent and I'm really eager to uh, to see it. And we, what we did as well was we distributed, we managed to distribute it from California where it was printed to Scotland. So actually I have my, my own copies, which means that the postage isn't insane, which is part of the problem of trying to you know, post from the US to anywhere else at the moment is prices astronomical. So in that way, people could buy it, but there is actually a PDF option as well if people just want to have it on screen. It doesn't actually have to be uh, purchased as a physical thing, but I will say, and I know I wrote it, and help to write it, but it is beautiful and uh, really worth holding in your hands. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> Right. Um, I think that uh, the communication was really important in the process of writing it because uh, I believe that writing a book with uh, uh, several writers can be quite challenging uh, because, like you said, uh, different styles, different personalities and everything needs to uh, to come together really neatly. So I think that you uh, you managed to have a, a really strong communication. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, uh, are you going to uh, do any more projects of the sort, do you think, since it was such a successful experience? Um, yeah, I definitely think that we will do something else, yeah. Um, we, I mean, we are really good friends, actually. Now, we talk nearly every day, um, I would say, over Twitter or on WhatsApp. Um, and in actual fact, um, I actually wrote a poem about well, Jennifer and Susan, uh, because just because of the way the, the prompt was, I actually got put into a zine in Edinburgh for a coin-operated press called Found Families, because Jennifer and Susan have become really quite close to me through this whole uh, process. And we did, yeah, we talk about it quite often, what else we might do. Hopefully Gerald would like to get involved with something. I know he's got a few projects coming up, though, which are really exciting for him, so it could be a while before he's um, available for another zine or another project but yeah me and Jennifer and Susan have definitely spoken about getting back into the limericks and things um and I would like to see another zine come around we just need to sell some more of the first ones really to um justify a second project but yes definitely there will be in some point or another some other thing coming <laughs> I just don't know when or what but would it also, do you think, uh, be uh, related to children's fiction or it can be a completely different thing? 
I imagine it would be more for children's fiction. Yeah, I think so, because um, while, as we talked about before, I pretty much have my hand in all sorts of different kinds of writing, um, Susan and Jennifer are definitely more, you know, um, children's literature uh, writers. Although, you know, they, they have got poetry for grown-ups that they do. Um, and Gerald, I know he works with children and he's got a sort of picture book thing about to come out as well, which he's uh, done some crowdfunding for called Donuts for Everyone, which people should also look into because it's going to be really cool. Um, so I, I think we probably would probably stick to the child child thing or, or it would maybe be more, maybe for grown-ups, but more, more about nature and holistic things and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, possibly could could be a, a different sort of audience. Right, I see. I maybe see. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But yeah, I think I think probably we'd stick to children for the next one anyway, and then see where things took us. Right. Um, so um how about other projects that you've got going on? Are you working on something in particular? Any uh a piece of literature, uh um something that's that's coming up soon? Well, I'm always working on something. I actually have three things I can't really talk about that are going to be coming in the pipeline soon. Um so yeah, watch this space on some things. But yeah, I'm I'm always working on something. Um at the moment I've got a I think it's a novella. It might be a novel, I don't know, but it's a sort of crime-esque thing that I've always kind of wanted to write and never felt like I really could. But as the as the grown-up writing's taking off a little bit, I'm starting to see that my characterization is getting better. I've had quite a bit of feedback on that. And yes, uh, it's taken shape. It's actually a few chapters long already. So, yes, I'm working on a crime novella at the moment, which may turn into a novel, I don't know. And various other little bits and bobs. I still write my poetry and things, but I'm trying to take a bit of time off looking at prompts so that I can focus on something that's an actual, you know, solid object. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Right. Wow, that, that's really interesting. And uh, there is quite a big difference between uh, writing short stories and writing bigger, uh, longer pieces, right? Definitely, yeah. I'm finding that it's um, you have to get to know the character a lot more, spend a lot more time with it. Um, and yeah, try to sort of not end what you're writing, but stretch it out. I'm finding that more tricky. Mm -hmm. um, and I suppose when you're writing flash fiction there's got to be an element of the unknown you kind of you're writing it like to leave people guessing slightly that's the magic of it it's short and, and gives you some you know some food for thought whereas you don't do that with a novel or a longer chapter you've got to actually over explain a bit well for me that's over explaining and yeah I'm finding that quite a learning curve but I'm enjoying it it's good it's good to try something really different and stretch your wings a bit. Indeed, it's really exciting to uh, to try a lot of new things. And wow, you have lots of interesting and uh, exciting things going on. So I wanted to ask you, since uh, you're really busy on all fronts, I think, uh, how do you make room to uh, uh, immerse yourself in writing and to get involved in so many varied projects? Um, have you uh, got any writing ritual, something to uh, uh, to get you in, in the mood? um 
to, for writing? It's a tricky one because um, I always see these people saying, like, up in the morning, I make a coffee, I look out the window for a bit and then I write, and I just <clears throat> don't have time for that. It's basically, like, whenever I've got time, I've got to be able to just start doing it. So I've got a really small laptop and I bring it everywhere with me. It comes everywhere. I've got a notebook in every bag. I've got one in the car. There's one in the pram. Like, I've got, like, a, well, I used to have a dictaphone. Now I just use my phone, but I've got, like, a voice recorder on that. Basically, I'm whenever I get a split second is when I do this. And I also write on my phone quite a bit. I mean, I don't write long things on my phone, but I'll, I will be typing notes away pretty much whenever they pop into my head. Um, so I've got a certain number of hours in the day that are, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Specifically for writing. So I've got like a few mornings a week that I can, you know, without the children that I can focus on it, which I'm very fortunate to have given, you know, that I've got two small children and a, and a day job as well. But I do manage to have that time. Um, and I'm fast. I'm just really fast. It reminds me of when I worked in coffee shops as a, student and you have to like make three lattes at once that's what it's like it's just you know and a panini and be serving cake and telling someone else what to do that's what it's like it's just I can just do things quite quickly now that I couldn't before I, I, I don't I don't know if that helps anyone with <laughs> tips on how to write but I think I just have to be really focused when I'm focused on it and not get distracted by other things which I suppose we all find quite hard to do there's so many different things that can influence us, TV, you know, the phone, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is you're using for your socials. And I think, I think like I'll, I'll do a little bit of time on that because I use, I use Twitter to get started on writing, which is a, maybe a weird thing to say, but because I use my bookmarks really well, I think that's a good tip actually. I use my bookmarks on Twitter really well. So if I see something that's interested me, I'll just bookmark it. And at the beginning of every, every day, I look at my to-do list on the computer and then I look at my bookmarks and I go, right, what three things am I going to do? And then I basically choose either where I'm submitting to or what I want to write for. Does that make sense? And then I'll basically do those things. And sometimes when I, if, I, if I'm on Twitter and I've looked at my bookmarks and I get sucked into the feed, what I'll do is I'll just type something like, right, I'm going to do a 30-minute burst. Who wants to join me? And then you just don't touch your phone for 30 minutes because you're like, well, if I look at my phone, they'll know I didn't do it. So that actually keeps me quite focused on focusing. And then, yeah, I find I just find that that is probably a ritual, actually. I didn't really think I had until I started to talk there. But yeah, I guess just focusing on the to-do list. So I've got this spreadsheet. A lot of people don't have a spreadsheet and I'm always telling people, get a spreadsheet and bookmark. Those are the two things that I do, I think, mostly. Um, and my spreadsheet has got basically everything I've subbed, everything I want to sub, things that have accepted me, things that have rejected me, that haven't asked for anything else, things that have rejected but asked for more, and they're, they're all colour-coded. So it's really easy to see um, what's next, what I've done, where it's all coming from. And I think by keeping that track, I managed to just hose through the list. Then there are days like I'm a normal person, I don't get anything done, and at the end of the day, and I'm like, what have I done today for writing? Nothing. And I was sitting at the computer, but <laughs> I've achieved the thing. But yeah, I think um, 
I get it all done because I focus. Really well organized. And that is extremely important when you have a busy life and a lot of distractions around. And uh, um, also uh, not only distractions, but things that you actually have to take care of. So you need to be able to to jump from one state to another and uh, to uh, transport yourself from uh, all the, the chores of daily life into writing. And staying organized is, is really important because, of course, uh, like you said, um, inspiration, a, a moment when uh, inspiration strikes is um, um, is important to, uh, um, to not let it pass. So this is why you uh, always take notes uh, whenever the idea yeah. comes. But, but the rest of it is pure organization skills with the bookmarks and the spreadsheets. So those are really excellent tips and, and lessons for uh, us all writers. Thank you so much, Laura, for, um, um, for, for your stories and your tips and uh, everything. This was a really exciting conversation to have. Well, thank you for having me on. It was really nice to be able to share some of the information and things I've been doing and uh... It's just nice to be asked. So thank you. And uh, I wish you the best of luck with uh, all of your future projects with the zine and with uh, uh, the stories that you're working on and especially the longer piece. And um, um, it would be really great if we uh, could uh, do this again sometime when you uh, make more progress and uh, with, uh, with the rest of the, uh, the novella and the rest of your projects. So you can tell us more about uh, the new zine and uh, what you uh, uh, have uh, uh, managed to finish and publish. It would be really great if uh, uh, we had you on uh, again soon. Oh, thanks very much. I really I would really like that. That <laughs> would be lovely. All right. So thank you so much, Laura Cooney, and thank you everybody for watching. Goodbye.